Opinions voiced in this program are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to investing. Securities are offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, SIPC. Good morning and welcome to Beyond the Business on News Radio 94.3 WSC. Each Saturday morning at 7.30, successful business leaders and entrepreneurs from across the low country talk about what it takes to succeed in business and in life now your hosts of beyond the business eric cox and leslie haywood and great saturday morning low country welcome to another edition of beyond the business heard exclusively here on 94.3 wsc every saturday morning from 7 30 to 8 we appreciate you our loyal listeners either getting up early like you are this morning to listen to us or clicking on a podcast and tuning in and listen to great uh, stories of entrepreneurship and leadership from around the low country. I am one of your hosts here, Eric Cox, this morning, back with Mr. Byron Stahl. I guess you just can't get rid of me, can you, You are Eric? here. Uh, here for a while, I think. We do miss Leslie. I had to admit that the, um, as much as we love having you, Byron, we, we love our Leslie, too. So Yeah, I, I can't blame you on that one. She's the spice in the show, you know, so you're going to have to step it up today. All right, let's do it. Hard to believe. Here we are. Uh, gosh, Thanksgiving. I mean, Thanksgiving. Halloween week. Yeah, I don't even know where I'm at today. Uh, crazy to think that we are uh, at the end of October and two months are left in the year. But that's where we are. About to run out of time in the year. But one thing we're not running out of is great stories of entrepreneurship. That's true. That's just the nature of Charleston and the talent that it brings. I tell you what, we keep having great people on this show. So thank you, Low Country, for uh, continuing to deliver on great leaders and entrepreneurs. And last week was no exception to the rule. We had Jeremy Bolinton in. Uh, Jeremy is what, the uh, founder and CEO of JB Southeast Enterprise. Uh, Byron, what was a, a takeaway you had from Jeremy's shows the last couple of weeks? Well, Jeremy, it, it was a fantastic show, just his entire story. If you didn't get a chance to listen to it, be sure to go to our website, uh, coastalwm.com, uh, and just click on the radio show podcast. But the biggest takeaway that I got was a takeaway that, honestly, I've taken away from most other shows, and that is that people are the greatest driver of success. And that's a common theme amongst most entrepreneurs that we speak with, that it's their partners, their employees, the people that they work with, the people that they surround themselves with are really that drive of success. Well, and I know our guest, I won't give it away uh, yet, but our guest for today is going to talk, I think, a little bit about building teams and success around you in terms of uh, the people you have in part of your organization. Uh, but yeah, Jeremy did do a great job with that. I love, again, this was another story of uh, someone who spent uh, many years in the corporate side and then he eventually left to start his own business. So what a great testament to that transition from the corporate world to being an entrepreneur. And uh, certainly, uh, as you mentioned, Byron, if you missed that, go check out the podcast um, you know, I loved, he had a quote about being gritty and grainy. Um, and the fact that the buck really stops with you when you are the entrepreneur. And so, uh, you know, go check that one out. Coastalwn.com. Click on the icon of radio shows. And, uh, not only can you listen to Jeremy, by the way, but pretty much all of our shows from the last four years are on there. So if you've got nothing better to do on this Saturday, you could binge listen to beyond the business people, you know, stories you don't. So let's turn our focus to uh, this morning. Who do we have with us? 
This morning we have Hillary Johnson. Uh, Hillary, welcome. Hey, hey, happy to be here. And we were just going to talk about you like you weren't here for a minute, Hillary. I know. So. I was just grinning and smiling yeah. and sitting here in the background just you waiting. We just invited you to sit in the studio and listen to talk all I morning, loved it. Right? It was great. <laughs> <laughs> no, our listeners don't want to hear us. What they want to hear is you and great stories uh, of your past. And so, Hillary, you are the founder of Hatch Tribe here in Charleston. So yes, indeed. Give us a real quick, we're going to dive into it next week in, in depth, but a okay. quick 20-second commercial on what is Hatch Tribe? It's catchy. Absolutely. We are a community for women entrepreneurs, and we really help women start and grow successful businesses. And for us, that looks like purpose, passion, and profit. Purpose, passion, and profit. The three Ps. I Gotta like Gotta have that. it. The art of doing, right? Yes, that's we're my podcast. About that. How about that? Yeah. So we're going to get there. But uh, certainly before we dive into what you're doing today, it all had to start somewhere. And so let's go back to the beginning and talk about growing up, where are you from, and what was life like as a youngster? So I'm originally from Hickory, North Carolina, and uh, you know, was born and raised there, and I was not pursuing anything related to business. You know, as a as a kid, I danced. That was my thing. And I really thought that I would have a career in the arts. And um, at the age of 16, I went to North Carolina School of the Arts and was studying dance. And so I was on the contemporary dance track and taking ballet and, you know, spent a year and a half there. And, and really, I thought that I was going to exit out of high school and go to New York and and live as a dancer. I mean, that was absolutely my dream that's what i thought i was going to do so the fact that i sit where i do today is is a little weird so we're going to dive more into that but you skipped ahead a few oh. years yeah yeah, right, yeah. Byron? yeah we like to go way way back way it's back. beyond okay, beyond fine. the business let's go so talk about life as a real little youngster in sure. the household did you have siblings and what did mm. mom and dad do and just you got it what was that like well i'm an only child okay and i have no first cousin so i'm, I'm kind of weird in that regard so small family um my parents they're amazing. They're still married. They still live in the same house that I grew up in. Um, you know, and, and life, you know, for me, especially as an only child, really revolved around a lot of conversations and engagements with other adults, you know, so there were not a lot of kids around. I mean, it's not to say that I didn't have friends that I certainly did in the neighborhood. You know, I grew up with kids that were all my age and we'd ride bikes and do all this stuff. And, you know, a, a great childhood experience. I mean, there was no staying inside. It was like you had to be outside. In fact, my dad would whistle for me to come home. Like, so I had to be outside in order to hear the whistle <laughs> to know that it was time to come home for dinner. So, yeah, lots of time spent outside, lots of time riding bikes and, you know, just playing and kicking it. Wow. And that, man, man, if the time's changed since then. Yeah. Um, so you said, you know, I know you've already told us that you had a passion for dance but what, and yeah. riding bikes. But what are some of the other hobbies that you had growing up? I'm not going to lie. That was it. It was consuming. You know, I, I danced so regularly. I was doing tap and jazz and ballet and modern dance. And so that was it. You know, there wasn't a lot of extra time. So outside of school, that's where I spent my time. Um, and, you know, I think you, you get a certain sense of discipline from that because, you know, it's just like kids, I think, who play sports. I mean, if you're leaving your your educational side of your day and then dumping into that, like that's training you. And that's really where I spent most of my time. And so was this the dream and the hope of the future that you were going to turn out to be a professional dancer? Absolutely. OK. Yeah. I mean, I really thought that that was the path that I would choose and that I would go to New York City and would dance professionally. And I don't think I really knew what would live beyond that necessarily. But that was at least what that I could see. Focus. That was going to be it. And what was mom and dad's sort of 
thought, were they in uh, business for themselves? Did they work at companies? And how did all that tie into your vision for the future? Yeah, so my dad uh, worked for... At the time, when I was young, he was working at a science museum. Well, I guess I should back up. They actually met and married in Charleston. So we have kind of wow. roots that, that tie us back here. And my grandmother still lives here. And they both worked at the Museum of Charleston before it burnt down. So back in the, the original yeah. location. And my dad had the opportunity to uh, move to Hickory, North Carolina, to work for the museum there. And so he went there with the intention of doing that. And after some changes with the company, he wound up in another field. And so he started working in uh, what I would call like satellite data communications, things of this nature. And um, shortly thereafter, wound up at a company called Prodelin, which was later acquired by General Dynamics. And so he spent over 30 years essentially with the same company um, and, and retired with them a year ago. So literally just a year ago, my dad retired. So he had that you know, very stable career and something that I think, you know, certainly for the generation prior to me, that was what you coveted. Mm-hmm. You know, you wanted to find a job you could stick with and stay in and have longevity and, and walk out of that with real good retirement. And my mom, she worked part time most of my childhood. So she was really available for me. You know, so when I was out of school, she was there and it was like whatever we needed to do to go for dance. She was there. And um, her presence meant a lot because it was really supportive for me growing up as a kid. Um And she's worked in a number of different things, but she spent before she retired, she worked for Hallmark for a period of time and she loved the job. You know, it was great for her and good for her personality. She's super organized and just like this absolute whiz with like anything that involves getting stuff together, organizing it, bringing focus to it. It's a good example of focus. All right. Yeah. I get my organization from my mother. There is no question. There you go, mom. Thank you. Sounds like you had some really good lessons. Now, I know, you know, and with Hatch Tribe today, you work with a lot of women entrepreneurs. Is there anything from your childhood and your family life that you use as a lesson with your entrepreneurs that you work with? Well, it's interesting. I think growing up so independent, I didn't really have this sense of what community meant at that time. And it wasn't until much later, much, much later in my life that I really started to see that it was going to be necessary for me to have other people in my world. So I would say the the things that I was learning from very young were a sense of independence and a sense of freedom and this sense of like, you can do whatever you set your mind to do. And so those things set me up really well as I started to step into owning a business and even early in my own career, just understanding if you work at something, you can develop a skill set and you can grow it. And that served me really well in career. And then, of course, later uh, as I started my own business. So as we progress along in this story, talk a little bit about uh, the college experience. Yeah. So I guess the transition here is that I reach a point at the end of my high school career where I realize that dance might not be the right path for me. I'm really having this moment of thinking, okay, if I choose this and I go this direction, there's almost guaranteed a life of working three to four jobs to pay the bills because New York's rent's awfully expensive and dancers don't get paid a lot of money. And I was having a real sort of crisis of sorts at the age of 17, thinking, is this the path I really want to go down or not? And so I made the decision at that point to apply to college, not to pursue the dance path. And I ended up going to UNCG, UNC Greensboro. And 
at the time, I don't think I necessarily knew what I wanted to study, but I do remember when I made the decision, I, I chose to major in international business and Spanish, double major. And I remember saying, I love this because then I can talk to at least twice as many people if I can speak another language. There was just something that was really... <laughs> It was exciting, the thought of, you know, being able to do that. So it it was a real, you know, right-hand turn um, out of leaving behind this, like, arts mind and then really shifting into something else that was like, yeah, I mean, maybe I'll work in business. I I just, I don't think I really knew what that meant at that point in time, but it it called to me. And I will say, a lot of this was influenced from my father because his career was in international business and he was traveling and traveling internationally. And I was getting to you know, soak up his experience of what that meant. You know, they'd go to Ethiopia and install phone lines in like an area for the very first time and give them the ability to communicate. And I thought, oh, this is possible. Like, this is really cool. So I think that was starting to open my eyes to other opportunities that I didn't necessarily see prior to that. And by the way, in case you just joined us and you're one whose voice that is you're listening to, it's that of Hillary Johnson, who's the founder of Hatch Tribe here in Charleston. And we'll certainly get more into that aspect of your life uh, momentarily. But uh, mention or kind of walk us through that post-graduation from college mm-hmm. and entering the world for the first time, workforce, and how all that went down. Yeah, so I graduated college uh, in four years, two degrees and, uh, and a minor, and I packed all of my belongings into my Toyota Echo, and I drove to Florida. And I moved from Greensboro to Tampa, Florida. Uh, I lived in a studio apartment, you know, $485 a month, as I recall, and uh I think I'd saved $1,500, like coming out of college, you know, it was like this, I was living the dream. It was so no good. Job, no job, no. nothing lined up, said I'm no, going to Florida. Just, I'm going Here to we Florida. Go. Yeah. Um, and of course, the irony of this is the reason I had chosen Tampa is over the course of that final year of school, I've been dating someone who played for the Greensboro Bats, which were affiliated with the New York Yankees, and they spring trained in Tampa, and I followed this guy there. And I get there on my birthday, and he breaks up with me the same day. <laughs> Couldn't have been better, right? So fresh start, new beginning, like completely starting over. And the first job I wind up in is working for a company called AV Imports, and we were a wine importer. And we had primarily Italian wines, and it was a great first job and a really nice way for me to start to experience what it was going to be like, you know, to work in business. Um, And I was experiencing what it was like to do sales and marketing and really cutting my teeth, also working from home, which was a very unique experience to have as a 22-year-old and not uh, completely having the discipline uh, to understand how to do that and do that well. Um, But yeah, that was my first job right out of college. And I mean, that just shows entrepreneurial spirit early on when you're 22 years old to move to Florida and just pick yourself up and start from scratch and working from home and finding the discipline uh, to do that. So how long did you work for AV Imports? I was there for about a year and a half and then went to work for a TV station. I, I was chasing at that point money. I thought I want to earn more money. I want something different. And, you know, I, I I broke up with the Italian family, as we say, and and left the wine business and then went to work for a TV station where I realized it was fine to make that money, but I hated what I was doing. So then I was having a different experience. It was like, oh, gosh, like this is it's great. 
I'm making a lot more money than I made in my prior job. And now I really dislike the work that I'm doing. And so I started again seeking, okay, what's the next answer? What's the next chapter? And, and where that led me was the, the lengthy career that I had working in the beer business. I wound up working for Miller Brewing and I started in Tampa and it led into an eight year career that took me from Tampa to Montgomery, Alabama to New Orleans to Nashville and then eventually to Chicago. And, you know, each one of those, I, I was able to move up through the organization and take progressive promotions and really gain different experience. And, um, you know, I landed in Chicago working as a brand manager and then later as the sports marketing and entertainment manager for for our brands. And it was a wonderful experience. Um but, you know, it's also challenging when you're moving every one to two years mm-hmm. and you're watching your life just kind of rip by and you're thinking, what am I doing here? You know, is this what I want to be doing? And so you can see, like, sort of through this, I'm now really grappling with, am I making the decisions I want for my life or are they being made for me? And is this the life that I want to live? And if it's not, what does that mean? And and I was really starting to have that draw towards entrepreneurship and trying to figure it out. I mean, I remember just years of thinking, yeah, I want to leave, but what does that mean? You know, and how the heck am I going to come up with an idea that's good enough that's going to let me step out of this six-figure job and, like, go do something else that's going to be a better suit for my life uh, that I don't know how to do yet? So was there a aha moment along the way that just sort of hit you one day and that was it? Or was this more like a rising tide and it just sort of came on over time? I'd say it was more of the rising tide of just the the drive to leave. Gotcha. But the real precipitating moment was when I moved to Chicago, I had a two-year relocation agreement. And so I made a pact with myself that I wasn't going to stay beyond two years because I knew that Chicago wasn't going to be totally in my heart. And it wasn't. I mean, it's it's a hard climate to live in, you know, for a Southern girl to live in a place where you have to be virtually inside six months out of the year. It's tough. And so I, I gave myself that deadline and said, take the next two years while you're here, you're committed to being here and work really hard on coming up with what it is you want to do so that you can make an exit out of this awesome corporate career that you've had, but then leap into entrepreneurship and feel like you're prepared to do it. And I felt like two years gave me that window to to do that. And are there any lessons from your corporate experience in Chicago and traveling through these different cities that really helped you on this transition to starting your own business after Chicago? Yeah, there's no question. I mean, the the very first business I started was Gusto Group, and we produced festivals and events. And the reason that I chose that was because that was what we were doing. I mean, one of the the biggest things you do in the world of beer is you look for events to associate your brand with so that you have opportunity to sell your product and put your product in front of a new audience. And so we were the sponsoring party for events all over the country. And so when I was in the field, you know, living in Tampa and New Orleans and Nashville, even in Alabama, we sponsored so many different events. And so I was seeing them from that side. And then when I wound up at corporate, you know, we were now in a different threshold where I was working on our NASCAR sponsorship and spending, you know, tens of millions of dollars against these giant alliances that we were using to grow our business. And so all of that was really giving me sort of a peek under the tent of the type of work that I thought I could be good at because I knew I was really organized. So I thought, well, you know, I could do that. Pretty good at pulling together an event. It was always a skill set of mine. Um, 
then I had to peek inside to see like, oh, this is the amount of money people are spending on sponsorships. And these are the assets that we're being sold. Uh, so I was able to piece together, you know, those different things to say, yeah, this is a pretty good possibility for me. It feels like there's enough here that I could build a business off of that and then research it and figure out my way. So is there a moment, I love that, that critical moment of exiting and sort of diving back into that emotional state because you know you talk about here's why and here's all the great things and the reasons, but there's a lot of emotion that goes on that. You're leaving a six-figure job. Yeah. Um, you're going to go start your own business for the first time. You didn't grow up in an entrepreneur family. No. So was, yeah. there, was there a moment or two through that transition that the little voice popped out and was like, what the heck are you doing and why Every are you day. doing this and you shouldn't be doing this? And if so, yeah. how'd you overcome that? Yeah, all the time. I mean, I, and it's funny. I found like a journal the other day that was from like that window of time mm. in my life. You should have brought that with us. That'd I, been I good. burned it yeah, in the fire, it. actually, <laughs> like two weeks ago. I needed to let it go. But but yes, is the answer. And, you know, doubt, I think, is always there. It's sort of a constant companion, especially before you've done something. You don't know because you don't have your own skill set to draw upon. So, you know, you're you're pumping yourself up, but you don't really know it until you've done it. And I remember very distinctly, I, I was having some real challenges thinking about doing it and taking that leap. And I was talking to my dad, you know, and, and again, remember, like my dad is a corporate career guy. And I was just telling him about like all these things I was freaking out about. And he just says to me, Hillary, at some point, you're just going to have to take that leap. And I think more than anything that stuck with me because here, this was coming from a man who mm-hmm. like has had a, a, yeah. a measured consistent life and has done real good, you know, in that corporate structure. And then there he was looking at me being like, Go for it. Go. Yep. And it meant a lot coming from my dad. You know, it meant a lot coming from someone who had not had the same path that I had had. Um, and that stuck with me and it still does, you know. And and so, you know, I remember the day that I went to resign, like I was taking the L on the way into work and I, I got there early and I was like mm-hmm. so nervous, like I had all that energy and it was just it was crazy, you know, and I went to the bathroom and I like looked at myself in the mirror and I was like, you have to do it. Like today's the day. <laughs> and you know, I did. And then you find yourself on the other side and then you're on a whole new learning. I mean, it's just you don't know until you get there what you don't know. And then you're there and then you're like, oh, oh, this is what's been over here That's the right. whole time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's great. Thanks for taking us through that. It was wonderful. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So from that moment, from leaving your job, walk us through briefly before the end of our show, that leap into entrepreneurship. Yeah. So, you know, for me, mine was unique. I had to exit the city I was living in. So it it quite literally was like I resigned. I took 30 days. I finished up my work there. I felt really good about it. Um, Packed up my belongings, had a a, a truck come pack up all my stuff. My stuff started driving to, to South Carolina. I got on a plane and I flew. And I've never been back to Chicago since <laughs> seven years later, <laughs> which is crazy. Burn the book. Literally, Burn Halloween Chicago, was when I moved boom. here. Like seven years yeah. ago on Halloween was the, when I moved here. It's just crazy thinking back about that. But yeah, you know, I, I, I picked up from one city and stepped into another and then was like, all right, go. And, and, you know, we'd done enough research. We knew what we needed to do. And so it was like, all right, you, you just hit the ground running. Now you're here. All right, go. So the confidence level was high going into yeah. the new venture. Yeah. Feeling and, good about the research, at least. Right. And certainly, yeah. as we're going to hear next week, you've had several ventures that you've mm-hmm. been a part of. Obviously, all that has culminated today. Your experience where yeah. you've launched Hatch Tribe that we're going to talk a lot more about in next week's segment. But uh, certainly what a great 
a testament sort of along that journey. Um, tell us a little bit before we run out of time here about um, just the early years into entrepreneurship. Seven years ago, you arrived at Charleston, yeah. you're starting your business. What's one or two moments where things didn't go so well and um, you kind of had to have that reality check? Yeah, I mean, I think that it you're excited because you're doing what you think you want to do. And that was my experience. I was like, I'm getting getting up every day and getting to work on something that I've dreamed about doing my entire life. And because we were producing festivals and events, we were working towards a date. So, you know, starting in November, the very first event we were going to have was going to be May. And so there's a long runway to get to that date and time. And so I'm, you know, very early starting to watch money go out the door. That's not no coming back coming in, in at the yeah. same time, you know, and we're not really sure if we're making good decisions or not. And, you know, you don't you don't totally know until you're. Until you're doing it. And I think, you know, the very first festival, Charleston Beer Garden was the very first festival we ever did. And it was one of the most monumental occasions. You know, there we watched all our hard work come together in one day, in one time. And, you know, that day it was like a June 23rd. It was hot as the Dickens. You know, it's about 100 degrees that day. You're like, perfect day for a beer festival, right? But then you're watching things not go totally right. You're like, oh, well, that police officer's fighting with me about where the radio station van is. And now I've gotten into a spat with him. And now, we're watching beer run out and like, oh, God, where's this? And then this generator isn't working and you're problem solving. And of course, in in the festival and event world, it's all happening live, you know, and, and people are watching you do it. So you have 4000 people standing around looking at you screw up. And then, you know, immediately after that, you then look at the reviews online and you're watching the reviews come in and there might have been lots of positive ones. But you're looking at the ones that are <laughs> negative and you're reading them. This was terrible. Worst thing I've ever been to. Um can't believe you ran out of beer at this thing. The, you know, and, and those things weighed so heavily on my mind, you know, reading the negative reviews and really thinking, you know, did we did we screw up? Like, was this really bad? You know, and, and letting that out shadow and outweigh in many ways the positive. And of course, the positive was way more. Right. You know, we probably had 80 percent positive reviews and 20 percent of people who had some negative things to say. But there were some some things inside the negative reviews that we needed to pay attention to that we hadn't gotten right, that we absolutely could draw upon and improve for the next time around. So, you know, that was like drinking from a fire hose. What a a great opportunity, like you said, to grow from it, to learn from it and to improve from it. So obviously uh, it turned out okay for you. And we're going to look forward to hearing how (laughs) the rest of the story has unfolded in next week's show. So hopefully you'll uh, uh, appease us and come back next Saturday morning. You got it. And we'll dive a little deeper in again. uh, Thank you for sharing that today. Uh, Miss Hillary Johnson, who's the founder of Hatch Tribe. Uh, Again, you're listening to Beyond the Business here on 94.3 WSC. Please uh, tune the dial next Saturday morning at 730 to hear the second half of Hillary's show. Until then, Charleston, have a blessed week. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Business on News Radio 94.3 WSC. Tune in next Saturday morning at 730 for Beyond the Business, hosted by Eric Cox and Leslie Haywood and heard exclusively on News Radio 94.3 WSC.